Yoga for the Revolution, a show about self-care in the age of resistance. Today, I want to talk about dismantling the fiber of democracy and loving-kindness meditation. Yeah, I was struggling a little myself with how those two go together, but we'll talk a little bit more about that coming up. Some of you may have seen this a few weeks ago. Uh, Recently, John Oliver went to go see the Dalai Lama. So for those of you who don't know who the Dalai Lama is, uh, Dalai Lama is a Tibetan monk in a long line of Dalai Lamas, Dalai's Lama, I think Dalai Lamas, who represent Buddhist values and traditions as well as the unification of the state of Tibet. The way John Oliver describes it is somewhere between a president and a pope. And for those of you who don't know who John Oliver is, he's an English comedian who hosts the HBO show Last Week Tonight. So there's a little primer on those two guys. It's really a fascinating interview. I highly recommend you checking it out. John Oliver is talking to the Dalai Lama about how the Chinese government has demonized him, how much they work to fight against what he believes in and make him out to be a wolf in monk's clothing, I think was the phrase. And the Dalai Lama said this, which struck me. I practice taking this anger, suspicion, distrust, and give them patience, tolerance, and compassion. And that's nice. I mean, really, it's a great idea. But when I try to apply that thinking to our current situation, it's a little bit easier said than done. Are we saying we should be more tolerant of the current administration? I think, well, yes and no, maybe. So let's keep in mind who the Dalai Lama is, what he's been through, and what Tibet has been through. The Chinese government's threat of arrest caused him to flee Tibet in 1959, and he's been a refugee basically since then. And they're basically trying to dismantle the very fiber of the tradition of Tibetan Buddhism. Uh, Dismantling the administrative state, the fiber of democracy sounds familiar. That's Trump's right-hand man right there. His quote, dismantling the administrative state. And yet, here's the Dalai Lama saying, I take this anger and give them patience. I take the suspicion and give back tolerance. I take the distrust and I give back compassion. This raises some questions, for me at least. I am not a Buddhist, so there are nuances here that I don't fully comprehend, that I don't embody. I'm not practicing this all the time as a way of life. And so when I think about addressing our current circumstances with patience and with tolerance, it kind of gets my dander up. It just seems, you know, not quite good enough. I don't want to tolerate racism, sexism, bigotry, collusion, hacking, espionage. I don't want to simply sit at home and, you know, think good thoughts, which I do sometimes. I do that. But it can't be everything I do. Which brings me to something called engaged Buddhism, something advocated by Thich Nhat Hanh, which is a way of trying to link authentic Buddhist meditation with social action. So there was an article on Vox back way back in January, and I have a link to it up on the Facebook page now. It's an interview with a Buddhist monk who studied with Thich Nhat Hanh, and I just want to read you some of that, just a little bit from that piece here. 
the interviewer asks, I think some people understand that, yes, they should have compassion, but they struggle with it. They look at people who voted for Trump or Trump himself and see power and hate. And so people fear being too passive. They think, if I'm compassionate, that makes me passive and I could get hurt. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm afraid of. Afraid of being too passive, of sitting on the sidelines and not doing, doing, doing. Whether that's, you know, writing or chanting or yelling or marching or donating or what have you. So the monk, whose name is Phap Dung, uh, who's a child in Vietnam, grew up in that war and in that era, says this about that. Compassion is not sitting in your room. It's actually very active and engaging. Okay, I'm in. You're like (laughs) hook, line, and sinker. Reel me in now. He continues, Trump is not an alien who came from another planet. We produced Trump, so we are co-responsible. Our culture, our society made him. We love to pick somebody and make them the object, but it's deeper than that. We have to see him inside of us. We're shocked because we found out there's a member of our family that we've been ignoring. It's time to listen and really look at our family. We are afraid to engage, but you can dialogue and debate. It requires a lot of practice to sit there and listen and not judge so you can understand. You cannot end discrimination by calling other people names. So there's a lot to unpack there, right? I think the difference between fear of passivity versus desire to simply act out without listening. I mean, I've listened enough, right? That's my instinct. I don't want to hear anymore from you crazy people. But I want to dig in a little bit more to what he's saying because there really is a lot to unpack. So A, this thing that is happening now in our country is not happening outside of us. And we need to take responsibility for that. So gross, but okay, right? Like I have responsibility for this. I have to deal with that. We all do. And that is really challenging because I would love to make what's happening in this country something that's happening outside of me so that I have an enemy to fight against. I would love to say it's just those guys over there, those people who don't get it, but not me. I have nothing to do with this. I think a lot of what he's saying there is saying like, it's not an alien thing. It's not something that exists outside of us. This is all part of who we are. I mean, that's going to be a process. I have a little bit of a problem with it, but it's, it's a process. I'm getting there. B, listen, do not judge so you can understand. And this one is tough for me too. I'm not there yet. I'm not at a place where I can listen to this immigration ban and say, hmm, yeah, what I'm hearing here is that you are scared. What are you afraid of? Right? I mean, there's a part of me that gets that, but I'm a little bit more on the like, oh, you're scared? Screw you train right now. Because I do understand that that is where policies like this come from. They come from a place of fear. The administration is preying on the basest, most reptilian brain-like fears we have. Fear we're not safe, fear we're not valued. And I do get that. I don't totally have compassion for it right now, but I get it. C, uh, you cannot end discrimination by calling other people names. Because yes, of course this is true. It's playground logic and this is hard. I think these people are assholes. I, 
I truly do. And it's going to take practice to rise above that. How can I cultivate a practice where I can see these people as people? People who are scared or afraid or ignorant. How can we address the larger issues underlying all of this? As a nation, these issues were there before the election. And in all of this dangerous nonsense, repealing healthcare, banning immigrants, reinstating mining jobs, we're not actually addressing those fears. Not really. We're not addressing the inherent inequalities. All of this is just a nightmarish distraction. Even if we can recover from what the current administration is doing, even if we get back to where we were on the last day of the Obama administration, we still have a lot of work to do. Work that neither the Republican or Democrat majorities were adequately addressing. And as much as this administration would like to think, you can't actually go backwards. So we won't be able to rewind the clock any more than he can. Everything will still always move forward. We'll be dealing with the repercussions of all of this for generations. So crap, you know, what do we do? We meditate, we march, we set shit on fire. Our monk friend has a thought, and it is maybe a little bit of both meditate and march. You know, when asked a similar question in that Vox article, he says, go take refuge in nature and find a cause where your heart doesn't feel inactive and in despair. This is the medicine. We go out and we help. Don't allow hate and anger to take over your world. Right now, people in our family might need us. Our friend may be somebody who's being discriminated against. You can only be there to offer them that kindness if you are stable. You cannot help them if you are filled with hate and fear. What people need is your non-fear, your stability, solidity, clarity. This is what we can offer. So I want to repeat that last part because I think it's really, really impactful. What people need is your non-fear, your stability, solidity, clarity. This is what we can offer, which is an amazing, it's amazing to remember this when you're reading the news. To counteract the fear, we don't need more fear, we need non-fear. To counteract the insecurity, we need clarity. So to be clear, solid, and sure in what you believe means you can act from a place of integrity. Do not despair. This is the medicine. Interesting. So again, I will admit that I am not 100% there. I am not reading the news and reacting with non-fear. I am reacting with fear and anger. But I am working on responding with non-fear and clarity, right? There's a difference between reacting and responding. Reacting is boom. My nervous system shoots sky high. I get jittery. I feel the heat of anger or I feel the constriction of fear, but I don't have to act from that place. I can breathe. We always talk about breathing. I can breathe and I can respond from a place of clarity. I can respond from a place of non-fear. Eh, it's something to work on. So what I want to offer today is a guided metta meditation. Metta is often translated as loving kindness, broadly goodwill and nonviolence. 
practicing loving kindness meditation is always really interesting because we're not stuffed with 100% love and kindness all the time. So in this practice, you're asked to extend that feeling of love first to yourself, then to someone you know and already love, then to a stranger, someone you have neutral feelings about, and then to someone you don't love or someone you're having problems with. And then finally to the world at large. And that's really interesting to watch yourself react to each of those sections of the meditation. It's not always easy. I don't want to project what your experience will be here, but I will say for me, this is a practice. It can be challenging or uncomfortable. And so I just want to say that that's okay. And that happens. And that's why we practice. Before we begin, I want to thank you for listening to Yoga for the Revolution. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or Pocket Cast. Please do rate us if you're so inclined, because, you know, it makes me feel like I'm like doing a real thing in the world. Or you can always find all of the back episodes on yogafortherevolution.org. And you can talk to me on Facebook at facebook.com slash yogafortherevolution or follow on Twitter at y underscore f underscore t underscore r. So let's begin our metta meditation practice by finding your comfortable seat. And what I mean when I say that is ground the bottom of your seat, the bottom of your sits bones into whatever you're sitting on. Or if you're standing, find your feet and really bring weight into your feet. Take two or three deep breaths, with slow, long, complete exhalations. Let go of any concerns or preoccupations, any thoughts. For a few moments, feel or imagine the breath moving through the center of your chest, moving through the area of your heart. Every inhale and exhale, moving around the area of your heart. Metta is first practice towards oneself. Since we often have difficulty loving others without first loving ourselves. So sitting quietly or standing quietly, mentally repeat slowly and steadily to yourself the following. May I be happy. May I be safe. May I be peaceful and at ease. Allow yourself to really sink into the intention here. What would it feel like to be happy, to be safe, to be peaceful and at ease? Repeat the phrases again to yourself. May I be happy. May I be safe. May I be peaceful and at ease. And breathe. Now, Bring to mind a friend or someone in your life who has deeply cared for you. Really pick one person at first, someone that it's easy for you to love, someone that when you picture them in your mind, it makes you smile a little bit. And then slowly repeat these phrases of good wishes towards them. May you be happy. May you be safe. May you be peaceful and at ease. And again, may you be happy, may you be safe, may you be peaceful and at ease. And as you say these phrases again, sink into the intention. 
What does it feel like to send this feeling out to someone you love? Really bathe in that feeling and breathe here. Now turn your attention to someone you don't know very well, someone you feel neutral about. But do pick someone so that you can really conjure their face in your imagination. Be able to really picture someone here. And then send those same feelings of loving kindness to that person. Picture them in your mind's eye and repeat, may you be happy, may you be safe, may you be peaceful and at ease. And again, may you be happy, may you be safe, may you be peaceful and at ease. What does it feel like to send this feeling out to someone you don't really know, that you don't like or dislike? And notice how hard or how easy it is to send them good wishes, to give them a little love. And then take a deep breath, let that go. And now imagine someone you are having some problems with someone you don't really like or someone that you disagree with, or just imagine that person really be able to see them in front of you. And notice what that feels like. Notice how you feel in their presence. Really feel your body. And now recall the feelings of loving kindness and channel those feelings towards this person. Repeating again the phrase, may you be happy, may you be safe, may you be peaceful and at ease. Once again, may you be happy, may you be safe, may you be peaceful and at ease. And notice, what does it feel like to wish this person well? What does it feel like to try to see this person not only as someone deserving of love and compassion hypothetically, but to send this person your love and your compassion? Just feel that and breathe. Now imagine that you can extend these feelings of love and compassion out beyond this one person, beyond all of their neighbors and beyond all of the nearby neighborhoods, extending a circle radiating out to all people across the country, across the globe. May all beings be happy. May you all be safe. May all of you be peaceful and at ease. Can you stretch the feeling this far? May all beings be happy. May all beings be safe. May all beings be peaceful and at ease. And breathe here. Feel your body, feel your breath. Start to come back to yourself 
to your breath in this room right now. And slowly open your eyes and come back into yourself. Maybe ease back in or you can shake it off. But notice, how did that feel? Were you able to share the same feeling with every person you imagined? What else came up? Anger? Sadness? There's no judgment here. Give yourself love and compassion too. It's a practice. It's one way to offer non-fear. To connect as people with clarity, solidity, one way to stay clear and stay kind. So until next time, keep breathing and live to fight another day.